Welcome into the Chicks Sports Mix. I am Adam Sheets, joined by C.J. Gilton. We have a packed show today. We're going to talk Mifflin County football, get over about Penn State football and their big win on Saturday, and then move into the NFL because C.J.'s got some explaining to do. But we're going to start with the Mifflin County Huskies. The Huskies battled Lower Dolphin on Friday and came up short 21-3 was the final. It was Jacob Kaufman, the running back, for Lower Dauphin had three huge touchdown runs that sealed the deal for the Falcons in the big win. And CJ, we were there. It's definitely a tough game for Lower Dauphin, for Mifflin County, losing to Lower Dauphin, a game they really had opportunities to win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, going into the game all week, it definitely seemed like uh, the Huskies believed they could win this game against Lower Dauphin, a team that is probably lower a lower-level team in their uh, conference, and some of the other teams definitely don't compare to some of the other teams they play. Uh, so definitely disappointing. You know, you're going into that game. You think you have a good chance. You're just unable to put any points on the board. There were some definitely some questionable things that went on during the game uh, from a Mifflin County standpoint. But, yeah, you, you, you go into that game, you think you have a shot, and then the lose 21-3 to is really disappointing, and it's it's tough to come back from that. Uh, down the road for the rest of the season. Yeah, as you said, and the one thing we kind of talked about all year when they were playing State College Holidaysburg Williamsport was just get to the fourth quarter and see what can happen. Well, they got to the fourth quarter. It was fourteen to three, and they had the ball in the red zone driving, and uh, Logan Parks threw an interception to the defensive lineman Ryan Anger, and then lowered off and turns the ball over right back. So Memphis County has another chance in great field position, and they turned the ball over again with another interception. So they had opportunities. You can't say they didn't. They definitely had chances to win the game. But turnovers kind of plagued them. A lot of penalties as well. Didn't hurt them as much as they hurt them in previous games. I think that Lower Dolphin didn't capitalize on the penalties, but definitely a tough game for the Huskies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, They definitely had the opportunities, like you said, uh, throughout the game, and they put themselves in a chance to come back and win the game in the fourth quarter, but just missed opportunities, and it was really plagued by, like you said, the penalties and the turnovers. You know, you have two drives, deep into load off in territory in the fourth quarter and two turnovers is what you get out of it. No points uh, is definitely disappointing. And one of the major uh, reasons they didn't come out with a win. Yeah, And then this Thursday, quick turnaround Thursday night football in the high school ranks this week due to lack of officials in the Harrisburg area. They kind of got to stagger the games with all the schools out there. Mifflin County will go on the road to take on Bishop McDevitt. It is a rematch from the season opener a year ago. The McDevitt dominated and you got to think, McDevitt's coming off a 75-7 to win over Paul Myra. And McDevitt looking to keep it rolling against the Huskies. It's going to be a tough challenge on Thursday. Yeah, uh, we're going to be there. It's definitely going to be a tough, tough challenge. McDevitt has a very strong run game. Uh, I do believe they have a young quarterback. Um, but they, they, they have talent everywhere. They've got dudes everywhere. They're going to be physical. They're going to be bigger. They're going to be stronger. They're going to be more athletic, and the Huskies are going to have to come to play and come uh, willing to compete, or it's going to be an ugly one. Yeah, you said about a young quarterback has one of my favorite names in high school football, Stone Saunders. He's the starter. He's thrown for 633 yards, has nine touchdowns, no interceptions, and the biggest stat I saw against Paul Myra, he completed nine passes and had six touchdown passes. It was pretty good, and they're of course led on. That's the, pretty efficient. Oh, and they're of course led on the ground by their star running back Marquise Williams, a guy who gets a lot of credit, one of the better running backs, a 28th ranked player in the state of Pennsylvania, according to Max Preps. 
definitely a great player, and he's going to be a guy. Mifflin County, you, you got to really pick your poison. You got to stop the run with Williams or the pass with Saunders, and he's got so many weapons. It's going to be a tough challenge. I'm interested to see how the Huskies handle that, and they also have a wide receiver. Easterly, the Mario Easterly, their wide receiver, has four touchdown receptions on the year already. So, I mean, they've only played three games because they missed one due to COVID. So this is definitely a tough challenge. And that defense, which has been really good all year, is definitely going to have to find a way to get some stops. Yeah, that defense is definitely going to have to figure out how to stop a, a pretty balanced attack from the Crusaders, or it's going to be ugly. Uh, like, you, like you said, Saunders, a young quarterback. Maybe the Huskies can get him a little rattled early, but signs so far from those scores uh, from their previous three games, that doesn't seem uh, like an easy task. And like you said, 28th best player at uh, in the in the state is your running back. So they they've got talent everywhere. They've got dudes everywhere. The Huskies are just going to have to come willing to play and battle each play and try and keep it close. Maybe get into the second half with a close score. Um, maybe um, Bishop McDevitt will be overlooking the Huskies. You know, Huskies coming in 0-4, haven't really put up a lot of offense throughout the season. So uh, maybe the Huskies can capitalize on McDevitt overlooking um, them, maybe to another opponent down the road. Um, but the Huskies are just going to have to come and com- uh, be willing to compete. Yeah, and if you want to talk, we haven't even talked about the defense. The Husky struggles have been the offense this season, and the McDevitt defense is stout. They have 21 tackles for loss on the year. They average 2.3 sacks per game, and they have forced four turnovers in three games. So this Huskies offense that has really struggled, definitely going to have to be precise because if they don't, McDevitt's defense is going to make plays on them. Yeah, McDevitt, uh, their, their defense is just as good as their offense uh, and it's really going to be going up a, against a Huskies offense that hasn't really shown a lot of spark and a lot of uh, power all year. Um, so the Huskies are going to have to figure out maybe to use some trick plays. I don't know what Coach Seckler and Coach Hassinger will dial up on offense, but they're going to have to figure out how to put some points on the board against McDevitt because McDevitt, they're not going scoreless. They're going to put up some points. So if the Huskies want to have a, a chance – Thursday, it's a little weird saying Thursday, not Friday. Um, they're going to have to force turnovers um, on the offense for uh, offense, and then they're going to have to figure out how to put some points on the board, or McDevitt's going to run away with it. Yeah, as you said, Mifflin County, McDevitt will be live from McDevitt Thursday. We go live at six fifteen. Game starts at six thirty. Now we're going to switch over to the college football ranks. We were both there in Happy Valley this weekend when Penn State welcomed in Auburn. College game day was there. It was a whiteout. It was intense. And Penn State left the game with a 28-20 victory over the Auburn Tigers. Sean Clifford was precise, 28 of 32 for 280 yards and two touchdowns. Did have his first interception of the year. Was basically a punt at the end of the second half. It threw it way downfield, got hit, kind of sailed on him. It was intercepted. Jahan Dotson, 10 catches for 78 yards, and he also threw a pass in the game to Tyler Warren, who came in as the Wildcat quarterback and jumped over the line of scrimmage on a play. So it was a great game for Penn State. They were able to win. Maybe some fans maybe thought it'd be a little more one-sided. Definitely had some opportunities, kind of let Auburn hang around. Tank Bigsby was unbelievable for the Tigers, but Penn State found a way to win in what was a huge win in front of 109,958 people. Yeah, definitely a huge win. Like you said, we were both there. The atmosphere was great um, from all the way to the beginning to at 9 o'clock at game day all the way uh, throughout the fourth uh, 
ending the fourth quarter. You know, it, it was a crazy atmosphere, one of the best uh, games, 10th uh, largest crowd in Beaver Stadium history. Uh, but, yeah, uh, some might have thought it would have been a little more lopsided, but I, I think the game was actually more lopsided lopsided when, than what the score suggested. You, you, you know, we'll get into it a little bit maybe, but the the referees were a little not let's just say it they weren't very good they definitely made some huge mistakes that you don't see from division 1 referees every day and then the um auburn i really think they only you know had a long drive that they ended up scoring a touchdown on once other times you know they were only going half the field because either uh excuse me uh the nittany lions uh decided to go for it at midfield so just field position they definitely didn't have to go as far as uh, the Indy Lions did, and I, I just you know some some little things like that. It, it made it closer. It kept Auburn in the game. Auburn definitely had a lot of opportunities. You know, if that's the Indy Lions giving them opportunities, the referees just some luck. But I, I definitely think um, Penn State was the better team on Saturday night. I think most people watching the game would probably agree if you're not from Alabama. Uh but it was a it was a really great win. You know, you're going up against an SEC uh opponent who really didn't have much to lose. You know, they didn't coming in, a lot of people didn't give them a huge uh chance because you are going into the whiteout, greatest atmosphere in college uh sports. Really hard place to play, especially none of those t- players on that team have ever experienced that. Um, but I, I really think it was Sean Clifford's best game in his entire career, and that really won uh, the Nittany Lions the game. Uh, the defense was solid, but they kind of got torn up a little bit in the run game. But they were also going up against Tank Bigsby, who could be a top three running back by the end of the year in the in the country. I mean, the the guy was a stud. Yeah, he was definitely really good. I think you got to give credit where credit is due. Auburn came in and really had the game plan they wanted. They knew Bo Nix struggles on the road. He makes a lot of mistakes, and he's lost them a lot of games on the road. And they basically came out with the idea that Coach Brian Harson said, we're not going to allow Bo Nix to lose this game for us. Now, Bo Nix had opportunities to win the game for Auburn, and he was unable to do so. And sometimes you got to question uh, Coach Harson's play calling. I mean, on fourth and two, when Tank Bigsby was a beast down 28-20 to 20 in the fourth quarter, I don't know where you thought trying to wide receiver fade against Penn State's best defender, Jaquan Brisker. He thought it was going to work. It obviously didn't. Uh, but Penn State definitely, you mentioned the atmosphere. It was the 10th largest. I'd been to most of the largest crowds in Penn State history. I was at the largest against Ohio State in 2018 and 2017 against Michigan, which is the second largest. I was at both of them. And those atmospheres were great. And I think this one just felt different because I, I think everyone was like waiting for it because they missed last year and they get to do it again this year. And it was just amazing. But as we said, Penn State, they found a way to win, and I thought the defense played better than you're giving them credit for because they played the exact same way they played against Wisconsin. They got torn up against ground. Ches Malusi ran all over them at Wisconsin, but they found ways to stop them, hold them to three at times, not allowing points, and that was the difference in the game. And Auburn, I thought, really had a chance because they held Penn State. They were had a drive, and Clifford threw the interception when he threw one up as he got hit at the end of the half, so they kept them scoreless on that drive. Penn State scores there. It's definitely tough. To come back, you had been down. They kept it to fourteen to ten at halftime. And on the first play of the game, I think Coach Harson overthought it. I mean, the run game was working with Tank Bigsby, and he was going to try to run a wide receiver pass with his wide receiver, and he fumbled the ball. 
Derek Tangelo was on it immediately, and Penn State went down and scored on the Tyler Warren touchdown. And that basically ended the game. And at that point, you're down 21 to 10, and you have a chance, but you never really felt like, maybe in the fourth quarter when it was 21 to 20, you never really felt like Auburn was going to take it. Yeah, you didn't really think Auburn was going to take it, mainly because Bo Nix, like you said, didn't really ever show he could win a game on the road. And he still, he almost lost it for them. Brandon Smith should have had a pick six. It touched him about seven times, and he still didn't come down with it. He had a walk-in pick six. uh, And then at the end of the second half, I mean, end of the first half, when Sean Clifford threw that interception, it's not a terrible throw, not a not a bad interception, but you 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 left possibly three points on the board, and yet, like you said, I was at also at that twenty eighteen uh, number one crowd uh, in Beaver Stadium history against Ohio State, it, but it was different. Um, one one of the biggest things I I've talked to some other people uh, since then uh, that were at the game. That was the. F- First, that was the earliest I've ever seen the student section full. The student section was full 60 minutes before the game started. And the entire stadium was basically full 45 minutes before the game started. And a majority of the fans were standing 45 minutes before the game started. And that shows we've been waiting for this for a long time. Didn't have it last year. And that really, you know, you're not going up against maybe a team that you don't like as much as Ohio State. But it just had different energy. Now, give credit, Auburn had a lot of fans there uh, compared to some other teams that have come uh, in recent history. But yeah, it was just a different energy. And I also I want to give credit to Mike Yursich because I think, first of all, I think that partnership with Clifford is very good for both of them. But Yursich, the amount of creativity he showed in that game was incredible. You know, you had Tyler Warren, who we haven't even seen really at all in the two other games, come in and have a major role. Uh, you had Jahan Dotson throwing... Uh, a pass and also I don't know if you noticed this uh, I rewatched the game the one large chunk play to Brenton Strange he lined up as the left tackle and we had Caden Wallace out wide mm-hmm. so it just Mike Yursich is very creative we knew that going in and it's really shown and I think it's really helping Sean Clifford in this Penn State offense excel yeah Penn State looks to keep it going on Saturday at noon on the Big Ten Network when they take on Villanova now I have made a point to talk about Pitt on this broadcast every week because I know there's Pitt fans in Pennsylvania and I have to talk about them because this is we're not a Penn State channel we're Mifflin County Sports and we know if we're going to talk about Penn State we should talk about all your interests so we'll talk about Pitt you lost to Western Michigan 44 to 41 and that's all we're going to say about them all right so now we're going to move on and we're going to stay in the Big 10 because I'll tell you now, Travion Henderson at Ohio State's a really good running back. I don't know if he's always rushed for 277 yards. They finally just said, hey, you know, we have these other guys, but Travion Henderson's better than all of them, so why don't we just play the young guy and see what happens? Ryan Day figured that out, but the defense still has problems. It was 27-20 to 20 in the fourth quarter against Tulsa. Come on, Buckeyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely, you know, I was watching uh, a the score um, leading up to the Penn State game, I uh, checked it pretty often. And until uh, late in the fourth quarter, it was pretty close against a Tulsa team that you really should not have been uh, in it close at all. Uh, the offense struggled a lot early. But, yeah, Travion Henderson, he's a freshman, but he might be the best running back in the country. He's that good. Uh, you know, Highly recruited, great player. 
he can run. <laughs> he can run. And, and that's saying something, too, because they've got some dudes on the outside at wide receiver at, at Ohio State. But they do still have some problems. They took away um, the defensive playing play calling uh, from their uh, previous defensive coordinator, gave it to the safeties coach. Um, we'll see if that in, long, in the long run changes anything. But still, some struggles. Gave up a decent amount of points to a Tulsa team that is not as athletic and talented as the Buckeyes. So they 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 still have some question marks um, that they're going to have to get fixed before they have some other tough opponents down the road. Well, they'll they'll win this week. They play Akron, and Akron's not very good. If you want to know, they lost sixty to ten to Auburn. So Ohio State's going to win this week, and they're going to win by a lot. And it's a night game in the shoe, so they're going to be fine. Now another team that I think is going to be fine because they now don't have to play teams from Georgia anymore, and that's Clemson because they finally got rid of all the Georgia teams because they lost 10-3 to to Georgia, and we were kind of saying, oh, well, Georgia's got a really good defense, so we're going to give Clemson a pass. They beat Georgia Tech this weekend, 14-8. to They were favored by 28 points. They only scored half the amount of points they were favored by. DJ Uyunglele was taking over for my guy, Trevor Lawrence. He's my guy now because he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Go Jags, we're 0-2. We're tanking for Thibodeau. We need that defense. But anyway, we got he's taking over for Trevor Lawrence. And everyone's saying it's the quarterback. I'd say the biggest loss by another Jaguars player that played at Clemson. They lost Travis Etienne, and they don't know what to do about it. Yeah, uh, it you know, the Clemson is not the Clemson we've seen throughout uh, the last couple of years, you know, dominating the ACC, making it to the college football playoff, competing for national championships. We don't know how they're going to finish this year, but right now they're struggling. Uh, I don't really think it has anything to do against the Georgia teams. <laughs> uh, you know, the Bulldogs are very good. Um, their defense is probably the best defense in the country. Uh, but Georgia Tech, you really should not be playing Georgia Tech to a 14-8 to score. Uh, and but you said Travis Etienne is uh, the most important or most significant loss for Clemson, but they've got struggles everywhere. You know, the offensive line is a lot weaker than it has been in the past. You know, they don't have that star uh, wide receiver anymore. And then obviously Trevor Lawrence, possibly one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, ever, is no longer there. So they have a lot to replace and they will. They recruit very well, but right now they might be going through a cycle, uh, a cycling year. And you know, you, you look at some other teams. You know, Ohio State might be in that position as well. Um, but it's still early, th- only the third week. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some question marks around Clemson, just like Ohio State. Yeah, definitely a lot of question marks. And then another team has a lot of question marks. Oklahoma. Now it was a rivalry game. I get it, but Nebraska's not that good. And Oklahoma only scored 23 points on them. And they're lucky they won because Nebraska missed two field goals and Oklahoma blocked an extra point and returned it for two points. If they don't do that, guess what? Oklahoma loses this game. And we'd be sitting here having a completely different conversation with the fact that Oklahoma just lost to Nebraska 23-21 to instead of winning 23-16. to So Oklahoma, I'm not high on Spencer Rattler. I don't think he's that good. And they're definitely struggling. Yeah, uh, you know, the the difference between Oklahoma and Ohio State and Clemson is Ohio State and Clemson are losing a lot. Oklahoma isn't losing those important key players like a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or Travis Etienne. Uh, so, it, you know, you know the, the, Oklahoma is returning their quarterback from last year, Spencer Rattler, very highly uh, touted quarterback who 
I agree with you. I just never have seen the it with him. You know, he struggles with some accuracy. I, you know, he's very athletic. He's he has the potential, but I just don't think he is up to par with some of the older, uh, you know, the past Oklahoma quarterbacks and some of the other quarterbacks around college football right now. So yeah. Oklahoma isn't losing as much as, say, the Clemson and Ohio State, but they're also struggling. And it's not just this week. They they almost blew a lead to, to Tulane in week one, and they're lucky uh, they didn't lose that game. And then Nebraska. Nebraska's not good at all. They're they're bottom, bottom of the Big Ten. Uh, and, you know, I know, like you said, it is a rivalry game, so maybe it should be a little closer, maybe a little close early. But, it, you know, Oklahoma's lucky. They won that game. Yeah, they're extremely lucky. You know who else is lucky that they pulled out a win in the swamp on Saturday? Alabama, who's up 21-3 to on Florida. And I look at the score and I say, okay, here they go. Bryce Young's going to go nuts. They're going to blow out Florida like they should. But for some reason or another, Alabama's defensive line and their defense basically said, eh, Let's just let Florida run the ball all game. And Florida went nuts on the ground. Don't ask me how, but this this is a true number. This is an Alabama defense. Gave up 245 rushing yards to Florida, who couldn't throw the ball to save their lives. They were 195 yards through the air, through one interception. They can't throw the ball. Emory Jones isn't a throw the ball. That's Anthony Richardson. He didn't even play in the game. He was an emergency quarterback. So Florida played a game where their backup quarterback, who a lot of people think is better than their starter, was only in case it's an emergency and we need them. Didn't have to play them, and they almost beat what I was told was the best team ever, maybe, and had Alabama's best defense in the Nick Saban era, and you almost lost Alabama. Come on now. Yeah, uh, I do remember looking at that score at one point. And it's like twenty-one to three, and I'm like, well, there goes Alabama, just like they played against Miami. Uh, now Florida's a lot better than Miami. Miami's uh, terrible. Like I think we all knew that. Um, but yeah, Florida. I don't even really know how they did it. I didn't rewatch the game, um, but they ran the ball all over Alabama. Um, and you know, Alabama's offense really did not do much in this uh, after getting out to a huge lead. Uh, so Florida. They had a really good second half. I don't know where Florida stands. Emory Jones is not like he's not he's not the answer. He's he's a decent quarterback, um, but Florida's defense is pretty good. Florida can obviously run the ball, um, but I think I think Alabama was just a little too overhyped. Um, maybe the, maybe just the media doing that a little bit um, because some of the other teams like Clemson, Ohio State are a little bit down, so they they turned Alabama. And, and say that well, you know Alabama is this, the Alabama is that. Um, Alabama is very good. I, I I wouldn't go as far as to say it's the best defense they've ever had. I don't think they have the best quarterback they ever had. Bryce Bryce Young is gonna is a very good quarterback. He he might eventually get to that point, but he he's still very young and in in his third career start. Um, so there, there's gonna be some learning curves. But Nick Saban's got to be like, what the heck happened from one point in the game to this to later, like. How do you give up that many rushing yards and let uh, Florida back in the game in the swamp? They had a chance to send it to overtime on a two-point conversion. Probably should have uh, converted on it. Alabama is very lucky, just like some of the other teams we've just mentioned, that they didn't lose. Uh, so I, I think it just proves college football this year is pretty even across the boards. And there's there's a large list of teams that can compete 
for uh, to get into the college football playoff and possibly win a national championship. It's it's probably the deepest and even, most even uh, field we've had. Yeah, Alabama plays Southern Miss this week. So they're going to win, but sneaky suspicion, that 45-point spread, I, I'd jump on it. I was right about Mercer. I knew Mercer would cover their 51-and-a-half. Southern Miss might be able to cover the 45. I'm just feeling Nick doesn't always like to blow people out. They got Ole Miss next week, which is a sneaky big game when Ole Miss comes to Alabama. So that's going to be a good one. And another final team to talk about, because you said college football is as deep as it's ever been. Well, there's a team who got a big Power 5 win this week, and that's my Cincinnati Bearcats. My boy Luke Fickle went in there. He dug himself a 14 nothing hole and then dug himself out of it after Micah McFadden was ejected for targeting from Indiana, and here came the Bearcats. They returned a kick for a touchdown. All, day, all morning I heard Lee Corso saying that Indiana's going to win because they play starters on special teams. They didn't show they played starters on special teams after they returned a kick for a touchdown and won 38-24, and I'm still... I'm still trying to figure this out because Michael Penix Jr. was really good against Penn State last year and really good against Ohio State last year. Did he just forget how to play quarterback? Because he has four touchdowns and six interceptions, and they played three games. He's thrown all six in two games. He didn't throw any against Idaho, but that's Idaho. Um, he threw three against Iowa. Two were returned for touchdowns, and he threw three against Cincinnati. One was at the end of the game when they were down 30-24, to and... Cincinnati returned it to about the four-yard line, scored real quick later, and went up 38-24. to So I don't know. I mean, Indiana's going to go to Penn State in two weeks at night in Beaver Stadium. They, they have a game this week, but they're going to go to and on October 2nd. And I don't know what to expect because Michael Penix was really good last year, and I don't know what's wrong with him. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm not even going to try and explain some of the things that went on in the pandemic uh, football year. There's teams that did really well. There's teams that did terrible. Penn State, uh, one of them. And I just don't even know how to explain it. You know, there's some some players like Penix who was really good last year, and now he looks like he doesn't know who's on his own team. Uh, he 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 can't decide if he's thrown it to the offense or defense. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what to ex- expect. I I personally think Indiana's not that good. Um, and I, th- I think Cincinnati uh, is is better than Indiana, but Indiana could have won that game. Indiana was up fourteen to nothing at half, and it could have been more. They left some points on the board in the first half. So Cincinnati, they're going to have another tough test down the road. They get, they play Notre Dame here soon. Um, so I don't even I'm not even going to try and explain to you some of the things that went on in the pandemic year in college football because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, as you said, Cincinnati they play. Notre Dame on October 2nd. They're off this week. Big games this week. Notre Dame, Wisconsin on Fox at noon. It's in Chicago. They're playing at Soldier Field. Wisconsin coming off a bye. Notre Dame coming off a 27 to 13 win over Purdue. Another big game. Kind of been flying under the radar down in Arlington, Texas. Arkansas is playing Texas A&M in a neutral site game. Arkansas has looked good. Texas A&M struggled. That could be a sneaky good game and a game nobody's talking about because they don't want to talk about it. But I want to talk about because I have a sneaky suspicion, not confident enough to predict them outright. I have a sneaky suspicion that when Rutgers goes up to Ann Arbor this week, they're going to give the Wolverines a ball game. Trust me, Rutgers is bringing it. They're three and zero. They're bringing it. Just trust me here, Coach Ciano's got it going. Rutgers is coming, man. Rutgers has a chance. I'm not going to pick them, but I think Bedrow's play good. Pacheco's been a really good running back. 
If they force Cade McNamara to throw the ball, who knows what will happen because we haven't seen him throw the ball in like three weeks. Um, so, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not going to predict Rutgers to win the game because I think Michigan's just better than them. But last year it was close. Trust me, Rutgers is coming into Ann Arbor, and they ain't bowing down. The Big Ten's pretty deep, so I'm not going to say anything against that because I'm not on the Michigan train right now, uh, especially after they lost their best player, Ronnie Bell. But yeah, Rutgers, who knows, just like some of the other teams like uh, Maryland is playing well, so... Anything can happen in the Big Ten uh, right now. I think uh, the Big Ten's about 11 or 12 deep. Uh, so, you know, we'll see later in the week if I can see if you can uh, bet on, on on the Scarlet Knights. But uh, I think Michigan probably still comes out with a win. Yeah, they probably will, but I like to root for Rutgers. You know, they need something. I won't root for them on November 20th for Military Appreciation Game and Senior Day at Penn State. But I'll root for them in most of their other games. Um, other big game, sneaky big game, Clemson-NC State. Clemson goes on the road to play NC State. NC State's not bad. Clemson's only a 10-point favorite, which is low for them. They're going to have to watch out. Cle- NC State, they're pretty good. They they have a chance. Then another sneaky good game, Florida-Tennessee. Florida maybe possibly having a letdown game. Tennessee coming in there. Who knows what we'll see from the Volunteers. Oklahoma-West Virginia at night. Oklahoma hasn't looked great. West Virginia coming off a big win over Virginia Tech. Who knows there? And Oregon's going to kill Arizona at 1030. I'm, I'm not even going to try to argue that Arizona at 0-3, who just lost to, I believe, Southern Arizona? A directional school in Arizona beat Arizona. That's all you got now. So th- those are the games this week. Hopefully, Oregon can leave Kayvon Thibodeau out an extra week. You might just sit him all year and then just let him come to Jacksonville in the NFL draft because we're switching to the NFL now. And CJ, you got some explaining to do. All I was hearing last week was about the Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road and beating the Buffalo Bills. They came back home and mom, Derek Carr, they played on Monday night. Then they travel across the country for an early game. It's like 9 a.m. to them. I mean, like, geez, um, it's real early for the Las Vegas Raiders. And Henry Ruggs runs by your whole defense for a big touchdown. You shut down Darren Waller. You forgot Henry Ruggs is like a baby Tyreek Hill out there running around. And Derek Carr went into Pittsburgh and Heinz Field. That tough environment and beat the Steelers 26 to 17 CJ what do you got to say your best defender in the NFL didn't play because he had a little groin injury I know Aaron Donald would have played through it um but what do you got to say well I, I I think if I recall correctly Adam as I said it's a good win in Buffalo but I said the offense still has a lot to prove and I'm not impressed by the offense still and they didn't they looked the same as they did last year and that I was right the offense it still has the same struggles. They couldn't score on a Raiders defense. Who the Raiders defense is okay. They're, I mean, they've got some guys, but they're, they're okay. They're not top five. They're they're not at the top. Um, and and you, it's not like you're playing at Las Vegas. You're playing at home. So I was disappointed. You know, the the Steelers had chances to win, and then you let Henry Ruggs run by everybody and score a score a touchdown. It's. T.J. Watt is still the best defender in the NFL. I think everybody listening agrees with me, Adam. Aaron Donald is good, but right now T.J. Watt is best. He's got a groin injury. You don't want to get him hurt. You don't want to have him get even more hurt in the second game of the year. You got bigger fish to fry down the road. 
All I know is if they don't be careful, they might not make the playoffs. Because last time I checked, the Ravens got a big win on Sunday night, thanks to my boy Odafe Oway. And last time I checked, Cleveland won. So they're 1-1, one and, one, and the Cleveland Browns are only going to get better when Odell comes back. So, I mean, you might want to watch out here. And the Bears, it doesn't even matter about your division, but the Bears might actually start Justin Fields because Andy Dalton's hurt. So I'm just happy because my boy Justin Fields is going to start. And I'm going to have to sit there and watch the fact that I wanted the Jaguars to draft Justin Fields over Trevor Lawrence, but wouldn't say it because Trevor Lawrence was just too good of a prospect to pass up, as everyone told me. Uh, but we're going to sit with that. So hopefully my boy Justin Fields gets to play. There's a four-way tie because the Bengals are one and one too, and my boy Joe Burrow is going to be coming. So watch out, Steelers. You might finish last in your division if you keep messing around and sitting T.J. Watt in the second half because he has a little groin injury. The Eagles played a pretty boring game. Uh, 17-11 to was the final. There was like zero offense in this game. I mean... I like to make fun of some Eagles fans because I wasn't high on Devontae Smith like a lot of other people were. I didn't think he was that good. I said, you can't draft. I mean, you're going to draft a 170-pound wide receiver over Micah Parsons. I mean, they're going to play twice a year. If if Micah moves back to linebacker after, you know, Demarcus Lawrence comes back and he gets to move back to his normal position, he was playing defensive end and still dominated the Chargers. But um, if, if he moves back, just tell Devontae to run a crossing route right at Micah and see what happens. I'm pretty sure he'd split him into two. But the Eagles lost, and there was, like, no offense. Yeah, I I watched uh, some of that game. The Eagles really should have won. They had plenty of opportunities. They kind of dominated the first half. Not sure uh, how they couldn't put it in the end zone. Uh, they ended up lose, uh, uh, losing 7-3 to at, 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 at the half. Um, but Devontae Smith, it's the second game. He's got plenty of time. He scored his very first catch of, the, of his NFL career was a touchdown. Come on. Two catches on seven targets. That's not very good, CJ. That's not very good. I will say they made one right decision. They made the right decision making Jalen Hurts a starter and getting rid of Carson Wentz because Jalen Hurts actually makes that offensive line actually look decent because they're not very good, and he's mobile able to move around, kind of make them look a lot better than they are. Yeah, Hurts' stats weren't that bad in that game. No, I mean, he didn't throw the ball over the place. He led the team in rushing with 82 yards. I mean, they didn't give Miles Sanders much of a chance. They were kind of... Or it's that they do a lot of zone read stuff, so Hertz has to read it. So if the defender takes away Sanders, he keeps it. So that's what they do. And actually, the worst news that they got this week was the Colts losing twenty-seven to twenty-four to the Rams. Best defender in the league, Aaron Donald, was involved in that game, um, and he hurt Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz now has not one but two sprained ankles. I guess that's the report coming out of Indy, and this isn't good because if Carson Wentz plays, mo- I think eighty percent of the snaps for the Colts this year, the Eagles get a first-round pick. If he doesn't, they get, like, a fourth-round pick. Eagles, your worst nightmare is Carson Wentz is still, like, a piece of glass out in Indianapolis, and you might lose out on a first-round pick. Yeah, yeah. I I actually thought you were going to say Brandon Graham. I'm pretty sure he's out for the year. Uh, He's a really good player on defense. You can't even deny it. Brandon Graham's a, a really solid player. Uh, for the Eagles, and that's really going to hurt. I mean, the Eagles, especially the last two years, have been injured all the time, uh, and it's you know really plagued them. You know, they've had some talent, uh, and you know, just so many injuries. And you know, you hope this year is not as bad, but not a great start when one of your best defenders, if not your best defenders, Brandon Graham goes down. But yeah, you d- you get a first round pick if uh, Wentz plays seventy five percent more or more of the snaps in Indianapolis. And I'm, I know I, uh, if you're an Eagles fan, you're worried 
um, that he doesn't reach that. You've been worried that as, so, uh, um, as soon as you traded him, because it seemed every time he got hit, he got hurt in Philadelphia, and it seems like it's probably going to be the same in Indianapolis with a better offensive line there too. Yeah, so the Eagles fall to 1-1. One and one. They're now in a three-way tie for their division, the NFC East, with the Cowboys, who got the big win 20-17 to 17 over the Chargers, and the Washington football team, who won 30-29 to 29 against the Giants in what was a pretty entertaining game, to say the least. And I think the Giants are still in that conversation because, like I said, you can go 7-10 and 10 in that division and might have a chance to win it. So I think – and the thing I'm not saying Brandon Graham's a huge loss is the Eagles didn't have much expectations coming into this year. They were yeah. kind of low. So I think they're, they're probably more worried about we were going to have a draft pick and now we might lose it than Brandon Graham's down because they could probably find ways to maneuver around that. Going around the leg, we said 30-29 to 29, Washington over the Giants. The Bears beat the Bengals 20-17. to 17. Justin Fields played a lot because Andy Dalton got hurt. 31-21, Browns beat the Texans. 27-24, Grams beat Colts. Bills dominate the Dolphins, 35-0. Tua got hurt, so it was kind of tough to get... Tua got hurt early, so it was kind of tough to get a good read on how bad that... how close that game could have been if Tua played. 25-6, Mac Jones in the battle with rookies. Zach Wilson didn't look good, and it was a dominating performance by the Patriots, Bill Belichick, and them doing their job. Raiders beat the Steelers 26-17, as we mentioned, 26-7. to Sam Darnold and the Panthers dominate the Saints, and now you got to really start thinking, if you're the Jets, did you really trade away Sam Darnold to watch him go succeed in Carolina? The Broncos beat my Jaguars 23-13. to We're still tanking. Come on, cave on Thibodeau. Cardinals beat the Vikings 34-33 to in what we're going to get used to as the Kyler Murray experience because, boy, any game you watch of his is going to be fun to watch. They blew out the Titans, but... It's going to be fun to watch. 48-25, Buccaneers beat the Falcons. A dominating performance by Tom Brady. As we said, 2017, Cowboys beat the Chargers. The Titans upset the Seahawks 33-30 in a great game in overtime. The Ravens beat the Chiefs 36-35 in a great comeback. And then last night on Monday, the Packers dominated the Lions after trailing at halftime to win 35-17. Now I'm just going to open up all around the NFL. What was your biggest takeaway? Uh, biggest takeaway. Um, I don't know if it's the biggest takeaway, but uh, I'll stay in the NFC East. One of my favorite games to watch um, was Thursday night. Um, Giants uh, and uh, the Washington football team, the Giants probably should have won, dropped a touchdown, um, Darius Slayton, and then jumped off sides. Maybe, maybe it wasn't off sides. People have been debating that uh, since um, – and then on the on the on the first attempted field goal, and then he misses it, and then he gets another opportunity and makes it to win the game. So that was a really good game to watch. Kyler Murray is the early favorite for MVP. The guy's a stud. You know, just remember he could be playing baseball right now. He's an athlete. Yeah, he definitely is, and he's really good. And you got to watch out for the Arizona Cardinals. They play in the best division in the NFL. Because you legit have four teams, the Niners, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Rams that could all win the Super Bowl realistically. So that division is going to be fun to watch. Now we're going to switch to Mifflin County Golf. The golf team finished second in the Mid-Pen Conference this year, falling to Mechanicsburg in their last match, finishing with a record of 41-5, 38-4 in the Mid-Pen. So definitely a really strong season for the Mifflin County Golf team. Yeah, uh, definitely a strong season. Um, you really... You, you really got to give your um, praise to Coach Bub's golf team. Uh, beat the previous school record of 18, uh, 18 wins in a season. 
Um, 41, that's a lot of wins. 41-5, and five, really impressive. Came down to one final match for the Mid-Pen Championship. Just fell a little bit short. Uh, but they, they, they battled well. Um, throughout the year, you know, they, they went down against Mechanicsburg early in the year, three to nothing, um, and ended up making it, ended up losing four to three in terms of, uh, team matches. Um, but they, they still have, um, as a team and as individuals, I do believe they still have, um, some postseason to get, uh, get on their way, but a really good regular season. Um, congratulations to them on second place and a new school record. Uh, they got, they, they, they still have, um, some opportunities though for in the postseason. Yeah, they do, and I'm 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 gonna say this. I might be a little biased. This was a really good golf team, but I'm still I'm still Coach Bub's favorite golfer that he's ever coached. I'm I'm just gonna leave that out there. All right, so now we're gonna give you the broadcasting schedule we have this week on Thursday. As we said, CJ and I will be live at six thirty in Bishop McDevitt. Game starts at six thirty. We go live at six fifteen on WCHX one zero five five. And then we will also be live at Field Hockey. Field Hockey making their return after their COVID pause. They'll be back on Friday against Cedarcliff. We will be there. It's a home game. Starts at 4 o'clock. For CJ Go, I'm Adam Sheets. Thanks for listening. Keep up to date on the Team Chicks sports page. Also, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to Simon Peachy, who was with us for his first football game on Friday. Did a great job. Hope to see more of him this year. For CJ Gill, I'm Adam Sheets, and thanks for listening.